Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. Today, Karen concludes her discussion with Josh Carlson, Executive Director of the Knowledge Center at Chaddock, about their upcoming Trauma and Attachment Institute. In this episode, Josh and Karen discuss the upcoming Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute, a new online learning opportunity brought to you by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Visit tkcchaddock.org for more information and to sign up for the Institute where you'll receive instruction from Karen, Josh, and Kirsty Ruggles. The first 10 members will receive an exclusive welcome kit. The Institute starts on July 1st, so register today. Visit tkcchaddock.org. So as you've been thinking about what clinicians' needs are and and as you've been working with clinicians over the years, why do you think that there's a need for this level of support and supervision? Like why do, and how we're going to put it all together in this opportunity that we're talking about? that the TKC is going to be um, having, why should a clinician be interested in this opportunity? The first thing I'll say is not every clinician will be, because this is not going to be the typical, you put in your hours and you get your certificate that you can now advertise that you're an expert in whatever area. This is going to be a learning opportunity for people who want to be scholars people who want to think very deeply. I mean, think of thinking back to, you know, therapists, whether it's Murray Bowen or, you know, Mnuchin or Chloe Madonis, like just different people who are giants in the field and really um, wanted to like slow down you know, those were family therapists, there's other disciplines, um, and really think deeply and wrestle with, you know, what is the next right thing Mm -hmm. rather than just kind of go in on autopilot. This is for people that want to become the best of the best because Josh, you know how I am. (laughs) I'm like, I want to be the best and I want people I work with to be the best. And I think that this kind of opportunity I've experienced this at Chaddock. I know how this develops people. I know how anything that I'm advocating happen for development of a clinician is things that I've experienced that I feel in these 27 years um, and five years before that in the field, before I came to Chaddock, took me to the next level. So this is a different I think people need to think of this as a scholarly investigative experience of what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. What does this mean from this particular child? Mm. What does this mean from this particular mother? As opposed to, I'm seeing a child with encapresis. Does anybody have any books or interventions I should try? This is the kind of thing I see in Facebook groups all the time. And I'm like, we have to go like way deeper. Like, what is that about? I mean, yeah. I, I, I just this idea of just finding a children's book about Enku Priest as being the answer. That's that, that's not at all what this is going to be about. It's it, what, what I'm hearing is that rather than a group of people coming together to be the expert, we're coming together to be curious and wondering about this work that we do. 
and tussle with each other about it until we find answers and be vulnerable. Show a tape where you felt like a dunce and Mm -hmm. absolutely didn't know what to do and be vulnerable enough for your colleagues to join you in breaking down that experience and thinking about what was really happening. You know, I want this to have the consultation aspect of our institute to have a feeling of a salon. And I don't mean where you get your hair done. (laughs) I mean, a salon, the term that meant, you know, historically, a gathering of experts speaking deeply and learning deeply and processing Mm. deeply about a specific subject. This is going to be an attachment and trauma salon experience. I want the best minds that, that want to get sharper and sharper. So scholarship. And then I'm also hearing community. Absolutely. Because you can't, this is my thought. Um, the world according to Karen, you cannot do good work in working with attachment difficulties and trauma problems without good support. Mm. You have to have good support. The work is hard. It's overwhelming. It's confusing. It's sad. It's depressing. You know, people say, how do you, how can you, I remember when I used to work in, um, in our admissions department at Chadock and, you know, we get these giant files of these horrific stories of what has happened to children. And um, I remember, you know, people saying, you know, I couldn't do that work. How do you, how do you keep reading that? And I would just say, well, you know, I I just feel like this is what I'm called to do. And I do have a certain level of guard up. And then one time I saw this movie about a child, very similar history of some of these files that we read. And I just like wept, like Mm. I completely fell apart and I realized when I'm at work I have this boundary Mm. that I'm having to hold up and not allow these horrific stories to emotionally impact me as I read these over and over and when that boundary is not up I'm like a heap on the floor Mm -hmm. hearing something like this so but but the, also, the other part, we have to have that boundary, but yet we also have to maintain our empathy and compassion. Yes. So it can't be like, oh, yeah, it's just another file. And in order to do that, you need tremendous support to hold the history of the, the people that we're working with, who, many of who have very traumatic histories. You can't hold it by yourself. I mean, what in nested supervision, as it's described in my reflective supervision training, is the society and the culture would hold the agency and the agency would hold the supervisor and the supervisor then holds the clinician. So the clinician can hold the family or maybe even hold the parent so they can hold the child. Anything breaking down in those nests, you know, um, affects our ability to do this work effectively. And that's a lot of steps for opportunity for breakdown. I mean, you start, you start at the very top culture does not support 
a lot of the work that we need to do with children doesn't even want to pay us enough to do it to, mm-hmm. to, to survive or to give the child the level of care they need. So that nested supervision concept, I want the um, what we are going to launch with the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute, I want it to be a nest for people in that yes. nested supervision model. Yes. And, and as I'm just kind of like, putting all of this together, you know, in that nest is that scholarship community and support to find that place within that dualism of, of credibility, but not rigidity within a model that I'm, that I'm not uh, allowing to take in. And, you know, I'm I'm just hearing, you know, you said, I'm going to sound like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth, but I think that within this field, there is this dualism where we have to have a foot in some of these things that are create some dissonance within our field. And how do you navigate those concepts, those experiences and integrate it into your practice without a community and support and a place to dive deeper. So I think that, you know, this Institute is really going to help clinicians who want to do that, who want that level of scholarship support and community to, to find that. Right. Right. And, you know, in terms of this talk that we're having, I hope you might consider finding that at, in the Institute, uh, the Developmental Trauma Institute at Chadak, but just, you got to find it somewhere is my opinion, yes. you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I would love for people to join us, but I also want people to be hearing this as this is something I just need to somehow find for myself if I don't want to burn out and no longer be able to do this work. And, you know, I think a lot about, folks doing this kind of complex work in private practice. Those are the people my heart really goes out to because when you're in a healthy agency, which you and I have had the, I, what seems like a rare experience of, of working in a healthy agency, because mostly what I hear is, you know, I put in my time at this terrible mental health center so I could go into private practice. So, yeah. but what we know is having that level of support around you um, feels, I know, you know, we kind of can take it for granted at a place like Chaddock mm-hmm. that we have, you know, peer consultation. We can just walk over to somebody's office and say, this is going on. We work in a whole team. So a caseworker knows this child, a supervisor knows this child, the therapist knows this child, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the person helping with visits knows this child. So we don't have that feeling of, of being alone in the way that it feels for people in private practice. So that is another reason that I want to have um, this opportunity for them to benefit from all the support and learning that we get as Chaddock employees without having to be a Chaddock employee. Like, how do I open up this amazing lifelong learning experience I've had to others out there? And this is how we think we can do it. Yes. And, and so tell me a little bit what I'm hearing you say is helping therapists learn to think rather than do yes tell me a little bit about what does it mean to help us guide a therapist learn to think rather than do 
Well, I think it, you know, partly goes back to what we were talking about earlier that, you know, to not just slap a technique on, whether it's from a book you read or whether it's session 14 in the manual or whether it's, you know, I put this out to a Facebook group and someone said, let's try this. Um, So I think it's slowing down and pausing and thinking deeply, always being a scientist and having a curiosity all throughout the case. And I mean, one of the reasons I think that this is so hard to do, that's not how the world's operating. The insurance and funders and sometimes, you know, agencies and parents or whoever, like, give me the diagnosis, start doing the treatment. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying, we want to give you enough time to really get to know this child and to really think deeply about why would this child do this? Why would this be adaptive? Mm -hmm. What is it in his story that led to this being the best option? You know, nobody's wanting to slow down and think like that. I mean, we're not supposed to be curious. We're supposed to be expert right after the assessment. We're supposed to slap on some labels and some treatment approaches. So there's constant pressure to be technique oriented and not think deep. There's not support to think deeply. It's not valued. We're we're losing it in our field. We're, we're losing we're, it. We're being like, asked to to abandon the process of case conceptualization. Yes. And not really take the time to dig into, as you said, how might this be adaptive? Um, so tell me why um, when you think about case conceptualization and supporting clinicians with that um, and growing in that. Um, process. What are a couple of things that really stand out to you that are important for clinicians to learn how to do that? I think time, slowing down, yeah, controlling your own need to, to feel like, oh my gosh, I got to know what to do. I got to know what to do, or I'm incompetent, or I am I'm have inadequate therapist syndrome or imposter syndrome um, if I don't figure this out right away. So I think it's time. I do think it's consultation. I think it's not only wrestling with what's going on in your own brain, but having a synergistic uh, brain trust, if you will, if we could be so arrogant as to call who comes to this a a brain trust um, to, to go to. I think that's important. I think even assertiveness is important. You know, I once had a case where a parent after the MIM asked about, you know, something that they were doing or the child was doing and said, do you have an idea what to do about that? And I said, not yet. Mm. And when I show this video, people are like, you can say that. And I was like, well, I did. I mean, I needed more time to get to know this child, to get to know this parent, to understand the parent's own history, to understand the child. Mm-hmm. Now, could I have come up with some? Oh, sure. I mean, I can talk. You know, I, I could have come up with something to say, but it wouldn't. I, I, 
it, it wouldn't have been based in my best thinking or yeah, yeah. taking enough time to do a good solid case conceptualization. And so I said that that was the honest answer. I needed more time to know them and their child before I could answer that. And it was interesting to me because I didn't think a whole lot about it until I showed it to a group of clinicians and they were like, wow, it never occurred to me to say that. And, and it's because that pressure that we're talking about from, from insurance, you know, you only get this many questions from yes, perhaps, you know, a lot of people who, you know, listening may work with parents and children and, and sometimes they're feeling this pressure from a parent, you know, you, you got to figure this out, you got to fix this, you know? And, you know, so it takes a lot of, um, confidence maybe mm -hmm. to not cave to that pressure yes and just say right now i don't i don't know that yet so which brings me to my next question that may be a little provocative and you know you and i have talked about therapist fragility mm -hmm. and you know, as you're talking about confidence, that leads me to that question of what does therapist fragility mean to you? Mm -hmm. um, how does it impact a therapist? And uh, how might something like this institute help with that? Yeah. So the first thing I want to say is, I don't know. I, I may have, I think I may have coined that term. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and I hope I'm not co-opting it from, you know, the idea of white fragility or something mm. like that. But um, I do, you know, want to, to talk about this idea um, and intend to write about it. And that is that, we cannot be so insecure and fragile that we can't get feedback on our work on how to improve. Mm -hmm. Now, some people may have heard my podcast with Lou Casolino, who is a professor at Pepperdine. And he was talking about students over the years and how when he was in school, if a professor said, you know, no, that's not right. You need to redo it. I don't like how you approach that with a client or I don't like how you thought about that or I don't like how you said that or, you know, however your work was being evaluated, this thought was, oh, okay. Like this person knows more than me. You know, I need to like work on this, go mm -hmm. back and make it better. Now he says, if he says something like that to a student, the student's unwilling to accept it um, will argue about why their way of doing it is the right way. Um, will it, it, it to the point that he no longer gives out grades because he was so tired of people, um, arguing with him about grades. Mm -hmm. If you cannot get feedback, if you, if you are too fragile, to get feedback on how you can be better, you're not gonna get better. Yeah. Right? And so I'm not suggesting, you know, you want a supervisor that's gonna, you know, berate you or a, a peer consultation where you're gonna feel berated, but you and I both know, Josh, showing videos of your work is really vulnerable. Oh, yes. And you have to be brave. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to open yourself up to 
feedback that is potentially feeling like criticism. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, then you can only go so far in your level of expertise because you can't become the best of the best without, without that. Yeah. And it's fading in our profession, just as, you know, pausing and thinking deeply and, you know, looking back in these, you know, when Michael Trout first was working with Selma Freiberg and they would get in this consultation, they'd meet at somebody's house for consultation about a case and, you know, be tossing about ideas and maybe looking at a video um, and thinking really deeply about these things. And also that clinician getting feedback, you know, this is what we think might be going on with you, or this is what we're noticing that you did, which maybe, you know, this would be a different way to approach that. You know, that is, I am so determined to keep those things alive in our field because they're, they're dying out. I mean, if a, a prestigious place like Pepperdine university, he feels like he can't push and challenge people. Like, where is it going to happen? Right. Well, and I think that that's, you know, as you said earlier, this institute isn't going to be for everybody. Right. It's going to be for people who do want to hear that feedback. Yes. Who do want to grow and deepen their um, thinking and their discernment um, and the way they engage with their clients. Yes. Yes. And it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And we're not going to dole out feedback without also having a supportive community mm-hmm. around you. So, you know, that has to go hand in hand if you're going to be able to um, hear hard things and do hard things. You need people around you to support you in that. Yeah. So this is going to be a place to work through hard things, but also celebrate the accomplishments yes. as we go through this process. Yes. Yeah. So if I'm listening to this, Karen, where yes. am I going to hear, where, where do I go to learn more about this? Yes. Well, um, we, um, are, we have a landing page for the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute. As I said, it's a part of Chadock. It's part of the Knowledge Center at Chadock. Um, and we have a landing page where you can go uh, read a little bit more about the Institute and you can put your email in to get updates on the launch of the Institute because people are going to be hearing this before the launch of it, which is in July. So, and if you put your email in on that landing page, we'll be giving you updates and continue to help people understand all the pieces that are going to be in this, which is going to be select readings, which is going to be webinars um, where you can obtain CEs, because I know that's important for a lot of folks if they're spending some of their money and they want to feel like, is this going to help me get um, CEs? Not every single thing is going to have that, but we are going to have some um, where you're going to be able to have case consultation, where you're going to be able to sit in on supervision of other people as they're getting, as they're sharing a video. You know, one of the things that I've found over the years, especially in doing group supervision, 
you can learn a ton from somebody else's video, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, that's kind of nice that somebody else yeah. is on the hot seat, you know, <laughs> but you're still having this really deep learning experience. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, another component is going to be circle work, which is a model that I'm trained in. Um, that's all about appreciative inquiry and asking right questions. And so that's going to be a form of our support. We're going to have lectures from various staff at Chadock with various areas of expertise. And we're going to have guest lectures and it's going to be a blast. It's just going to be, it's going to be a, what should we say? A, a supportive learning community for people that work with attachment and trauma issues. Yes. Well, Karen, this has been an absolute blast to talk about what's going on in the field of attachment-based trauma-informed care and how therapists are engaging with all of that information. And finally, you know, what the Knowledge Center is going to do to help support clinicians in that process through that scholarship, that community, that support. So I'm really excited and I appreciate you allowing me to turn the tables on you and yes. uh, time to ask you some questions. Yes, thank you so much. Um, it, it is my passion to talk about um, developing clinicians in this way in these areas and you know my my heart is there um so i'm so glad to be able to talk about this thank you for joining us for this edition of the attachment theory in action podcast please follow our site tkcchaddock.org or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes if you enjoy our podcast please leave a review and share with your professional network For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.